Welcome to another episode of Commentary. This episode was recorded in 2005 for the DVD release of Saving Face. Our guest today is director Alice Wu. Ms. Wu mentions that she wanted to make a film about reaching for your wants and desires while not having to be excluded by your community, and in the end, about openly receiving comfort from your family in the way that you really need it, and in a way that's sometimes especially difficult for folks on the queer spectrum to experience. So often, queer folks and queer characters in film especially have been denied that kind of support to say nothing of queer immigrants who have to, in a lot of cases, figure out how to assimilate doubly. She talks about the filmmaking process, of course offering some secrets here and there and some inspirations like the films of Almodovar and one scene in the movie that evokes the godfather for her. Interestingly, she mentions that there are around 35 speaking roles in the movie and 30 of them speak Mandarin Chinese and so she talks about auditioning a thousand people. And with a couple of exceptions, everyone that auditioned came from New York City, which this of course isn't surprising, but that is a lot of Chinese American actors for not a lot of parts available and Miss Wu pays tribute to that in the movie when one character goes into the video store and asks where the Chinese movies are and she gets pointed to a section with just two movies The Last Emperor and The Joy Luck Club and you know, thank god that's changing, just not fast enough so I just want to take this time to big up my Asian American filmmaking community to those of you who are doing the work of spotlighting talent which is outrageous and there's so much of it, we need more, 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 more the director of this film, Alice Wu, just made her second feature after Saving Face, and it's been 16 years. And it's incredible. It's called The Half of It, it's on Netflix, and it demands your attention, just like this movie. This is a really charming romantic comedy that I guess critics at the time called Offbeat. <laughs> Whatever that means. This is a 2 out of 5 on the listenable scale. Miss Wu references shots a great deal and it's very much a play-by-play -play of the movie so if you're streaming at home which you absolutely should be hit play on this sound to sync up the commentary at the beginning of the film here's director alice wu in 2005 for saving face Hi, I'm Alice Wu. I'm here to talk through my movie. This logo always cracks me up because it makes me feel like aliens are going to come take over Flushing. So one of the first things in the beginning is I really wanted the music to have sort of a lulling quality to it, um, where it's very quiet. And then all of a sudden you get this first image, which is very white um, in contrast to um, the black screen we had just seen before. And the hope is on some level to give you this idea that um, this might be a comedy, because there's something kind of almost jarring and surprising about that. So it's sort of a visceral um, impact. This is my commute, actually, almost every morning. I love this bridge. Um, it's one of the things I really wanted in the film. And uh, this is the D or the B train going across the Manhattan Bridge into Manhattan um, from Brooklyn. And actually, in this one shot, you see, like, I mean, you see the boat, you see the cars, you see 
at least three or four different modes of transportation. Which in a lot of ways, I guess, is partly why I wanted to shoot in New York instead of any other city. Um, I think this is a very New York story. Uh, primarily because New York is really a uh, walking city instead of a driving city. Like you are, if you're not walking through people's communities, you're in the subway. And it really creates a sense of everyone being in this small boat together. Winston, kids got the touch. Reminds me a little of you. Think she'll be cheap of surgery. But one thing is that hat she's wearing, I know, is not actually a. Typically, female surgeons with longer hair actually wear a shower cap, but I just could not handle the idea of putting my lead character in a shower cap for the first time you see her up close. So I actually use uh, the male version of uh, the surgery cap. So here's Ma, she's a facial uh, esthetician, and um, it's one of those things about uh, Chinese culture that we're extremely focused on skin, hence you see Will in the beginning with her facial mask, and it's uh, maybe the double entendre, the fact that Will works on faces as a uh, reconstructive surgeon, and her mother is an esthetician and works, um, gives facials, and hence saving face. So here we are in Flushing, which is in Queens, and there's a very uh, more recent wave of uh, Chinese immigration that settled in Flushing. One of the things I really want to do in this film is the music is so, uh, it's very big band and swingy, which is very American. It's not something you would associate with a lot of uh, Chinese people dancing in a, a banquet hall. Um, it's funny, when I tempt this, it was mostly of Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra, none of which we could afford. So what we did is um, we licensed this song right now as an original song um, from Mark Anthony Thompson, who goes by Chocolate Genius. And we actually created the song and then created a couple others for the community center as well. But what I really wanted is for the audience to feel invited in and to get the sense that this place is really fun, the music is great, the food is great. Someone actually referred to this as my sort of godfather set piece that uh, I really want to establish this community in the beginning of the film. Um, and one of the things is, uh, I think there are 35 speaking actors in this, um, and uh, like 30 of them have to speak Mandarin. And I auditioned over a thousand people to get there, uh, to get the cast I wanted. And I really love these folks. I mean, the grandparents are really amazing. And they all, with the exception of Joan and Michelle, everyone else comes from uh, New York. And we got them through open casting calls, through just, you know, every outlet. So, who's the unlucky fellow this week? And a lot of the lighting here, I really wanted to go for the sort of golden glow uh, to really give this almost a uh, old-fashioned feeling. And with the music and everything, there, there's this sense, because this is, in a way, it's an old-fashioned uh, screwball romantic comedy, even though the characters are very modern. Mm -hmm. What? Okay, out with it. 
<laughs> my mother gave me 20 bucks to dance with you. Yeah, well, People always ask how autobiographical this is. And the thing is, my I didn't grow up in Flushing and, you know, my parents didn't go to a ballroom like this. But the two things I do know about Chinese parents is that they love ballroom dancing and they love to set up their children. So it's something it seems like uh, my friends who are Jewish or Italian tell me the same thing happens with them. Now here it's very subtle, but every time Will looks at Vivian, I ask for the slightest sound of tinkling um, glass or wind chime. Every time she sort of sees her, it's very faint in the background. Um, or even here, we remove all other sound except really you can hear the sound of her, just her footsteps. And the idea is that this is who we're supposed to focus in on. I love this look between the grandparents. I mean, I think it just establishes so much about their relationship. Here we go. Signal if you need me. Raymond. Well? Shall we? So, what do you do, Raymond? Well, I do some short selling on Wall Street. So these ladies, it's so funny, their, their costumes, so many of them are wearing St. John, um, which for whatever reasons is very, very popular among uh, Asian uh, women in the States. And we couldn't actually afford any of that, so we just had the actors that I uh, cast. Luckily, they all happened to have a lot of St. John in their wardrobe, so we had them bring them, and the costume designer chose what would work best. With uh, free mobile to mobile and unlimited nights. And, and this is just one of those things that I just think it's hilarious when people talk about their cell phone plans. Six minutes. I believe that's a new record. That's my cousin Vivian. Big deal ballerina with City Ballet. Are you into dancers? Me? No. These ladies, I absolutely love them. They're sort of like a Greek chorus almost for uh, the film, them and their husbands. You are so into her. I am not into her. Uh, that was convincing. Shut up. Poor Jenny. It's so funny. I love watching Joan eat. So pretty much whenever I had an opportunity, I would grab something and make her stick it in her mouth, essentially. Like I picked that cake and I basically just told her, just keep cramming it into your mouth while these ladies are discussing, you know, the fact that it'd be terrible to not have a man. She, of course, as a widow, doesn't have one. Or so we think. These guys are just funny to look at. I, I don't know what to say about them, except every time I see them, they just crack me up. I mean, a lot of it, in a way, it's almost kind of like a high school dance, but with middle-aged uh, Chinese people. They do not enough good for you, anyway. 
Yeah, it's so funny, Nathaniel Gang, who plays Cho, I, I just love him, and he was having so much trouble with that line, and it actually was very, very funny. Um, so we finally had to subtitle it, um, that he's not good enough for you anyway. So here in the subway, as a complete contrast, we really wanted to go for that sort of greenish hue. Um, Part of it is we only had a few hours to shoot every single subway station scene. And um, we shot this in the middle of the night on the platform in Grand Central Station where the shuttle runs between uh, Grand Central and Times Square. Um, it's actually where the 7 train dumps out as well from Flushing. And because we could only light it with essentially like a few sun guns, um, I'd actually said to my DP, I really want, because he was like, it's going to look green. And I was like, the greener, the better. Um, to just really separate the whole subway experience from uh, a lot of the other areas in the film where I go for much richer colors. So here she is uh, on the train from Queens uh, going back uh, into Manhattan, transfer back to Brooklyn where she lives. Now this shot, um, we are literally hanging off the Queensboro Bridge to catch it. It's just a gorgeous night shot of the end train um, going from Queens back into Manhattan. Now here's the grandfather doing Tai Chi. So this is really establishing kind of the grandfather even more as a uh, patriarch of this community. I mean, in a lot of ways, Old Yu is, on the one hand, he is a friend of the grandfather's, but it's very clear um, the status shift that uh, Old Yu is sort of needling him and teasing him, but he has to do it from sort of a lower status position. That's really great about um, Wang Jing, who plays the grandfather here. He actually didn't know any Tai Chi. We had to get him a tape, and we found a particular uh, series of uh, movements that he practiced. Now, I love this, the tongue cleaner. The hilarious thing is I actually own one of those, and when the prop master was bringing props in um, for a different scene, I happened to see that, and I thought it was so funny that when we shot this one, I wanted Will to be doing something, and so we, we pulled that out. I saw downtown yesterday at the Fulton Clinic, your mom. And that is actually uh, Jessica Hecht playing Randy, who I'm just a huge fan of. Um, he's honored she was sort of willing to do the smaller role in her film. Nah, she never leaves flushing. I have no idea what those x-rays are of, but they're really pretty. 
No, here I really, it's it's funny, because I, I'm a huge fan of Pedro Madovar, and um, so I wanted a lot of uh, rich, saturated colors. Um, so from anywhere from the production designer really picking these great colors to the costume designer, like those blue scrubs, it really kind of makes the scene pop. So, uh, are you sick? No. I'm here visiting my father. Oh, I'm sorry. Is he sick? I really love watching Michelle Kruzik um, play a character. If you meet her in real life, she's nothing like this. She's actually very, uh, she's actually a dancer and very sort of uh, free with her body, whereas she's really able to capture, I think, um, the internal repression that Will feels and the awkwardness. I rejected a bunch of candy machines because I really wanted this vintage candy machine, which there was one that we could get in New York that finally we somehow managed to, uh, the production designer managed to pull strings and get it for me. I really appreciate that. You can tell because candy is not 50 cents anymore. And a lot of other satisfying carcinogens. Sometimes your body knows what you really want. So here she is uh, in her apartment in Brooklyn. One of my favorite moments is coming up. Right here. Where Joan just, you know, is about to take them off and then just sort of faces her daughter. So this is uh, in the background, there's sort of this Buddhist chanting music um, where Ma is sort of being aggressively at peace in the foreground. It is really impossible to light Joan Chen in any way but beautifully. Sure, she just, uh, it's almost like she's lit from within. I just love how the grandmother just calls with, like, just completely needs to get her point across, doesn't listen to her granddaughter. 
baby. So here we have the Greek chorus. Um, I really want the lighting here to be sort of more dramatic. I mean, if we made it natural as a restaurant, you would actually, it'd be more lit in the background, you'd see more people. But the idea is that they're almost sitting in judgment of her, like the mafia or something, so that the back is dark and that they're hyper lit. Now here we are uh, back in Flushing, the grandparents' house where Ma has been living for the last uh, 20 or so years. No, Maya, I'd always envisioned the scene where there would be sort of these sliding doors that so we could just barely see Ma. Um, my location manager did an amazing job finding this place. Now, this is interesting. The grandmother is a warmer presence, which is why she actually has a practical light next to her that is warmer. So she's lit more warmly than anyone else, which is also a, a sort of a subconscious way of indicating the emotional tenor of, say, between her and uh, how the grandfather is feeling right now. Now, it's interesting that the goldfish in the background, um, it's one red, one black, which is considered very lucky in Chinese cultures. And because I wanted the grandmother to have an action through this scene, she's supposed to be coming and trying to get the fish into a bag to give to the mother since she's convinced the mother's moving in with the daughter. Um, we actually had to take that down a bit because while she was like digging for the fish, it was getting in the way of us hearing any other lines and the sound guy was going to kill us. <laughs> and so, so instead, that doesn't quite happen, but you see it in the background and you'll see those fish reappear later in Will's apartment. Now, this is actually highly unusual for the character of the grandfather to really be yelling like this. I mean, he's a very stern presence. But, um, I mean, I love the grandfather. I think that he really cares about his daughter. Um, and this is sort of an anomaly that he would lose his temper so badly. And it's because his daughter's always been a good Chinese daughter and has never done anything wrong. And this is really the first time and she messes up in such a spectacular way. So this is a rooftop um, in Brooklyn. Actually, the rooftop we found is technically in Greenpoint rather than in uh, probably Park Slope where the character really lives. And in part, it's because it, it, it just seems like everyone in New York shoots off of the same rooftop where you see Manhattan in the background. And I really wanted one where you could he feel more of the harbor and you can see more of Brooklyn because it's just so beautiful. <laughs> Now, this is the, the theme in the background is what we call the Ma theme, which you hear multiple times in different permutations every time we see Ma. Now, this is very clever of my costume designer in the background that uh, Will is actually wearing a shirt that says Brooklyn, in case you had any doubt where we were. No, we actually had to cut the back of a refrigerator out in order to get this shot. Um, and I remembered, you know, we were just finishing up a scene, the refrigerator had shown up, and someone was out there with a chainsaw cutting it. <laughs> uh, it's filmmaking. Um, so in this scene, these are obviously the face masks that Ma sent Will. And I really wanted this next shot, 
Because it's a, uh, the thing is the secret to who Ma, the father is and who Ma's secret lover is, is actually going to be in that bag. And this is a way to sort of viscerally hint at it. Um, it's not something people get the first time they see the film, but I think it does help actually, uh, subconsciously. Do you know what kind of karmic hell I'd have to pay as a Chinese daughter who didn't take in her own mom? No, the woman could never live alone. It's so funny here. All I notice is the Coca-Cola can and the, the water, because of course, for us that's product placement, and then we get all of that stuff free on our craft service table. Wow, I only ever see you smile like that during surgery. So funny with the subway, we were able to shoot on the platform, but we couldn't actually shoot on a moving train, um, which is why, you know, that we don't see that train move. And we sort of cut out before that happens. In the background, there's a singer that um, called uh, Tai Ching, who I grew up listening to. It's my mom's favorite singer um, and is very, very popular among people who would have been in uh, sort of Ma's, uh, the character of Ma, her generation. Another thing I grew up with, uh, stinky tofu. It's truly the worst smell you've ever smelled in your entire life. Um, I actually now, it's an acquired taste for me, but um, it's something you would never forget if you ever experienced. Great. Jay loves fish. Hi, Ma. Ma, you can't give him a paper plate. It's rude. Hi, Mrs. Pang. This scene always makes everyone really hungry for Chinese food. I know everyone were editing it. Every time we'd finished, we'd be starving. We'd have to order out. So I get a call from him. great to watch this uh, scene with audiences because people, whenever he actually pours the soy sauce, the audience acts like it's the most aggressive act they've ever seen. <laughs> it's actually very funny. That's ridiculous. It's funny. Friends of mine have told me the scene is very southern for them because the mother sort of a, very sweet and smiling to Jay and then in the back sort of, you know, muttering to her daughter what her true feelings. And this is one of uh, what I consider one of the most beautiful streets in Manhattan. It's outside the Cherry Lane Theater. And we, uh, we had to wet down the street because um, I really wanted the street to have this sort of a, a nice... Um, shininess to it and it meant you know blocking it off and trying to get everyone out 
um, barricaded out. Oh no, actually in the background you'll hear that music is actually a, a different version of what's going to be the love theme um, between these two. And you'll hear that theme multiple times again played in different permutations. But it's supposed to sound like it's coming from inside the theater at that moment. This is, uh, of course, sound design. We want to make the world sound like a big bad world outside uh, that Ma keeps trying to shut out. Now here, a lot of the shot selection here specifically because I really wanted the sense that they're kind of playing hide-and-seek. Um, we're about to find out that they knew each other as children, and so this is sort of set up. Um, you know the feeling when you are first interested in someone but you're too scared to look at them full-on? You just sort of see pieces of them and you do it in the most surreptitious way possible. So that was sort of a hint at that here. Give them something to hope for. He must be proud of this new show. He thinks modern dance was created by a bunch of wild-haired hippie dropouts. Uh, there were some freaky moments. But on the whole, it was... I'm sure if he just saw the show. Maybe you could tell him. He's your boss. Wow. And this pants store is actually supposed to be a pants store on the Lower East Side that's open late. In the background, you kind of hear sort of some Spanish radio station talk show. As long as he can trot out his daughter, the prima ballerina. Again, maybe the sense that this is a very American story in some ways because there's so many different immigrant cultures that are hinted at. Whatever. Well, maybe he's right. Most girls would kill for my spot at City, and here I am trying to express myself. I should check the distractions. Focus on being a bunhead. That would really suck. So I think this is that moment where you sort of see why Vivian would be in love with Will, that Will really sees her and not um, just because she's like a cool ballerina. Um, and Will sort of tells it like it is. 19 years ago, um, I was eight, you were nine, outside the temple. I don't remember. The Wong boys were taunting me about my parents' divorce. You beat the crap out of them. You're wearing a Christy McNichol t-shirt, tan cords, and a page boy. You spilled your mom's groceries. We, we scooped them into a bag. And That's then, right. And then, and then... And then I kissed you. It's funny, the Christy McNichol t-shirt always kills in uh, gay festival audiences. Now here's the Ma theme again, this time being played on a bass flute. And it's sort of, uh, I really wanted to give the feeling of, it's almost like Alice in Wonderland, like she's in this weird, big, bad new world, dressed like she's going to church. You know, she's like put on this sort of formal outfit, and yet it is purple. So there's sort of a... Uh, Maybe to hint at the complexity inside her. No, I love this, the extras in this video store. China. 
In the background, you're hearing what's supposed to be like a B-movie-esque kind of uh, playing, in, but it also kind of, uh, in a weird way, serves a score. Now, this scene, obviously, you know, I, I'm kind of poking a little bit of fun at the fact that there are only four or five films that people know of when they think about Asian-American film. So it's like Ma's choices are essentially like The Last Emperor, Asia Carrera. Here again, I really want the colors to be very lush here. And with Vivian, there's always a lot of greens and golds. Um, I actually love watching Michelle in the sort of wonderful organic awkwardness she brings uh, to the character of Will. Compared to, say, what Lynn brings to Vivian, Lynn's not actually a dancer. But her body language really makes it seem like she is. Now, I love this because it's clear her view is terrible, which is very New York. And you, to highlight that, you hear the sound design below where, you know, someone is sideswiping someone else in a car. Um, and that sort of, again, builds that outside things are kind of ugly, but inside it's very sort of beautiful and romantic. And I just thought the contrast would actually heighten, interestingly enough, the, the romance inside and make it a little more real. very specific about her eating that cookie and want to make sure there's actually a crumb on her mouth which I think we're about are we gonna see it okay um, when I say fall you totally let go okay? fall. again this is one of those scenes where you know we had to shoot this whole thing in 27 days so we hardly had we had no real additional coverage but it's one of those things I think really plays well in one shot um, just keeping the tension of it. If we kept cutting between the two, I actually think we'd lose tension. And just seeing the respective body language, I think, tells you everything you need to know about this scene. <laughs> that, that's it. You got it. Ow. You okay? No, that's good. So we're about to go to a shot that in order to get um, my DP, I and the first AC all had to go up on a condor, which is like this gigantic forklift um, up five stories, and it was freezing that night. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, we just really wanted that shot. Now, here's where we're going to see the crumb on her that, that Vivian has to brush off. And so the music in the background is actually score, but we want to make it I mean, I think they now officially call it scores, where it's supposed to, uh, it's score, but it's supposed to sound like it's coming out of uh, Vivian's apartment, that it might be playing somewhere. But you realize it's score when it continues on into this next scene. To sort of link and maybe comment on the fact that the daughter and the mother are both having a, a sort of a awakening in their sexuality. The really funny but embarrassing thing about this is that we start off of a temp track of porn and then the other sort of suddenly it sounds like eight people are in the room and because we didn't have the money and I didn't have the time to go through porn, that that's actually me, my editor, my editor's husband and my sound designer sort of filling in for porn.
Oh, I love Fuzzy Zeller. This is a, it just cracks me up because the whole idea is that Ma turns it off. It's now on an infomercial that there is no way the mother or the daughter really would be watching. It's about some putting peg thing in golf. Um, and what's so hilarious to me about this is neither the mother nor the daughter is commenting on how unusual this is because they're both still reeling from their own private uh, secrets and chagrin. But, you know, this is sort of like Chinese food in bed after, but... So the song is actually uh, Love is Strange. We couldn't actually afford to license any of the versions that have already been done, but um, I had a, a singer named Leona Ness, who I'm a big fan of. She actually agreed to sing this, uh, to sing a new version which she created, which Anton Senko, the composer, uh, scored. And I think this version is really very lovely. funny someone after watching the movie asked me if I just really love hot dogs because they keep appearing in the film and the thing I realized is that um, I think I just generally like meat that you can hold in your hand and you're gonna see a lot of the characters with beef jerky or Slim Jims I think it's just that I like meat and I like convenience and I just don't like intermediaries between me and the meat <laughs> Now, I love this because it's so Chinese. Like, people will just ask you any sort of personal question without, you know, thinking it might be in any way embarrassing. Uh, oh. I love a Jones rocking there. The sound of the seat creaking is what I think makes that really funny when they all turn. Now, here's a, uh, a street in Chinatown in Manhattan. I didn't think it was possible. I, I read those Time magazine articles. I can literally feel my eggs atrophy. It's easier to conceive later if you've had a child before. She must have all sorts of weird cravings. It's where I think in some ways you really see for these two characters even though they have such different personalities, how similar their backgrounds are, that there's certain things that they don't need to say to each other and they'll understand. Like, the fact that Vivian picks something up, like, doesn't keep pressing Will about the mother, but realizes Will is trying to buy some stuff for her mom to eat back home. And there's something very tender and gentle about that, and then you discover what happened in her background that gives the two a link. Where would she go? Thirsty? Xiao Wei, you don't forget, I'm going to play with a dart tonight. I haven't forgotten. Then you don't have to bring your friends. I won't even be home till late. It's a... Co-worker's birthday.
Yeah, it was just always important to have that fence kind of between them. Hey, birthday girl. Do I get a birthday kiss? Stay by the fence. Where were you last night? Mom was waiting for me again. But I'll definitely be there tonight. Definitely, definitely, or definitely maybe. This actually might be the first time you really hear the love theme officially a score between them. Definitely be there. Six surgeries? Goddamn sick people. Now we get the blue of the hospital to sort of identify it as another different space. Friends, prepare to be grilled. This is actually the uh, score without Leona Ness singing, but it's actually Love is Strange again. Um, sort of hint again at uh, the last time we heard this is when things were just starting and, you know, seemed very hopeful between the two lovers. The most expensive birthday floral arrangement delivered to this address. Ten. Ten. It's funny, you just got a flash of it, but the anesthesiologist is actually reading the paper, as, uh, which is something I saw when I was observing um, surgeries, and I just thought it was very funny. Will, last minute pre-op. I have to run. Can you take it? things that happens in this scene is you know it's late at night it's uh her hallway with apartments there's three sound sources you hear uh, in the background you can sort of hear a late night tv talk show going you can hear a couple sort of talking or murmuring to each other in another apartment and then a third apartment sort of back far right i asked for it to sound like a cello player just practicing um and i wanted him or her to be playing the love theme very poorly, like that they keep starting and stopping and starting and stopping to essentially highlight the disconnect right now between these two. That one's for me, that one's for my dad. I'm an idiot. What if I stay tonight? The whole night? You know, coming up is finally when the cello player is able to complete a full phrase and things and starts to be able to play the theme um, all the way through. Happy birthday. I don't know if anyone really needs me to comment during this scene, but um, in case you want me to, I can tell you that uh, it, it was important because I've been asked this question, you know, why I sort of go for it and um, let there be nudity at this point when they feel like I could easily have shot this in a way where there'd be no nudity. And I guess for me, this scene isn't actually about sex as much as it's about the mother calling. And it seemed to me important that when you first see them, like if I went, I tried to like cover them in sheets, 
it, it would feel um, disingenuous. It would feel like I was saying that was shameful. And instead, I really wanted to show Will very free with Vivian. And it's not until the mother calls that she suddenly grabs the sheet and pulls it over herself um, and covers them. And I think that actually makes this point much better um, about her source of shame. And the other thing I'd comment on is that the song in the background is one of my favorite songs. It's actually Sean Marshall from Cat Power singing an old Lou Reed, a song from Velvet Underground. No, well, she thinks we conjugate Latin verbs. Really? <laughs> Did you tell her about this? So you can sort of see, this is Ma getting dressed up. Like, you can see she's been waiting and just her disappointment, um, just even in her clothes. So marry her off. There's got to be someone you can fix her up with. I'll put the word out So it's funny, I have a thing where I think scrubs can be really sexy. And then the costume designer sort of teased me, kept sending the nurses up in truly the most unsexiest scrubs I've ever seen. Um, but they're perfect for the film. Korean monster of the Chinese. Your mom called again. That is actually true, that there's not much cross-ethnicity among immigrants. Um, it's pretty rare that, like, an immigrant Chinese mother would date an immigrant Korean man. Thyroid levels aren't where I like to see them, but overall, pretty healthy. Okay, you disagree, but ask me if it's free Friday. Book of Dano. Well, what's your... So these are all the dresses that, uh, if... In the beginning, when Will was um, packing Ma's stuff up, these were all the dresses that were under her bed. And I guess the the hint is that the mom, even though she certainly hasn't been on a date, you know, since she was 18 and got married to Will's father, still shops secretly for herself and buys these dresses that she's never going to wear. Um, but perhaps it's a source of comfort for her. Sexy, though. sexy. Ma,你才四十八岁，和你穿快六十了哈，又不是一对苍蝇跟着，一对白苍蝇跟着，不是老外吧？不是，又老又丑的老外，不是，他是老中，哎，他很不错，很healthy，蛮healthy的，我不去
我的脸怎么了 ？My, you're beautiful. 傅先生，您在哪工作？进出口方面的。生意好吗？不错，不错。光上个月赚的钱，就够我搭爱之船去费吉了。哦，当然，我没有去。你是独生女儿。我是。我一直希望有个孩子。真的。你想要小孩吗？不需要，不需要。我太老了，而且我已做结扎。Oh. It's always great to watch this film in an audience because every time Joan comes out of the bathroom there, you always hear a wave of gas and just sort of a, a sense of satisfaction at seeing her um, arrive at the full potential. That was a role reversal. Yeah, this is the Ma theme again, played with uh, uh, different instruments. 太好了，我左大腿根有个硬块，害得我总是睡不着觉。会不会是癌症啊？ So that's bubble tea, which many of you probably know, but it's a very、uh, popular drink amongst、um, in Chinatown and amongst sort of the Chinese Americans or Asian Americans. So we wanted that taxi cab to just sound very, uh, almost screech away in in a sense of danger, give Will a sense of unease. This was actually shot, interestingly enough, in the、uh, shutdown airport terminal. The old TWA terminal had this weird little abandoned club,、um, so it was perfect for our uses. So this restaurant, we didn't actually get a chance to show it, but all three men take her to Fengling Restaurant.、Um, but in this montage, we end up just showing only one of them. This—he's、uh, actually singing "Love Touch" by Rod Stewart. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time of him singing it. Most people might not get that, but you know, one of the great cheesy songs of the '80s. It's very sort of Elizabeth Taylor right there, Joan Chen. What makes you say that? Just this little bit of blood. I look, I'm old. Go back. Mom, I gotta get up early tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're coming. Why don't you put on a dress? So I don't have to change in the morning. 不能相信那是我肚子里出来的。That the good guy？ 不是，他为了钱才娶她的。That the good guy？ 不是。A lot of this scene is really trying to establish how the mother's been watching the soap operas all along, but this is the first moment the daughter kind of gets sucked into them. And it's sort of a classic, you know. 
when we either want to ignore what's going on in our lives or nothing is going on in our lives, we sort of live out our hopes by watching um, whatever opiate is. In that case, for Ma, it's, you know, the Chinese soap operas, whereas for the grandfather, it's the uh, Beijing opera that he listens to or watches. So this is the moment I think you really see how much the grandfather is really thinking for the mother. It's not just that he wants her to get married for himself, but he's worried because he knows that he can't stay around and protect her forever. Sooner or later, he's going to die. And he wants to see her settled with a good man, um, who he believes Cho is, because that will give her mother face back, that her mother will then be able to come back to Flushing and have a stable situation and be financially taken care of. That it's the wrong thing for the mother, you know, is something we we feel. But from a parental perspective, that's his way of caring about her. So at this point, sort of funny, but what's hinted at is the bedroom in the background, which is where Ma is supposed to be sleeping, is now piled up with things that Ma has bought or put. So Ma is essentially sleeping in the living room futon with her daughter. Um, And here, actually, uh, again, I just wanted Will to have something she was doing, hence the dental floss. So we sort of give her this whole uh, dental hygiene thing that she's, I guess, very uh, focused on. It's funny when we did this take where uh, Joan actually cried through this, and it was very touching, but I said, okay, great, now let's do one where you don't cry, because it it felt um, like it might actually be more touching if she held it in more. Now here we're in Vivian's apartment and uh, the camera movement and, and the music again, there's supposed to be a kind of a soothing lullingness to it that these two are, are really falling into this nice pattern of getting to know each other um, until things sort of turn. Uh, my mom used to do that. Right to sleep. Really? Mm-hmm. I bet she has some great tips on how to deal with you. We should uh, just get together and compare notes. Ha! <laughs> Thank God that'll and never And that's happen. where they start to turn. And that's when the music sort of takes a slightly different turn and we're about to cut out of the shot. Is this all we are? Huh? Just starting to feel like we're having an illicit affair. We never do anything. We never see anyone. I love holding up with you, but 
And the beeper takes us out of that. Sorry. I'd like to see your place. So now you can hear the uh, sirens in the background, maybe highlighting sort of what Will would think about that suggestion. Yeah, she's not ready. It's been weeks. Just tell her I'm a friend, a, a nice Chinese girl. You're not just a nice Chinese girl. I'll fake it. You don't know my mom. Exactly. So it's interesting in this scene, both Will and Vivian are much more dressed up um, than Ma is. And what I love about this scene is in audiences, you know, they, they find it incredibly funny, but they're also, there's like a real tension. And it, it what's amusing to me is it's just three Chinese women having dinner. But so much is going on in the subtext. Taking a break, tiao modern. Modern? Uh, less classical, more expressive. Oh, Need a baby, Hama. So up till now, you'll notice that with the shots, it's always been on this one side of Ma where Vivian and Ma are sort of, there's a parody to them. But we're about to swap over to the other shoulder right there where we shoot up on Ma, which makes her taller and more, uh, much more for, formidable. Whereas Vivian is kept sort of straight on, and it really turns into Ma's scene. We shot all this subway stuff on the very last day of our 27 days. And uh, I was, have such fondness for this shot because it's one of the last shots that we uh, did on the shoot. I love Otto Sando, who plays Jay. Um, you would think that would be one of the roles that would have been easier to cast, uh, but actually, I, I kept auditioning, auditioning people until I found him. 
Seriously, well, why don't you just tell her? Now, one of the things that's important to me with regards to the story is that you discover the mother actually knows that Will is gay or has discovered it, um, that really this isn't about when will the mother find out Will is gay and much more about when will the mother acknowledge that fact. Um, and likewise, for Will, it's not about finding her mother a husband, but when will she sort of acknowledge that her mother is a full woman with different you know, needs and hopes. Now, here we are back at Fengling restaurant. Now, this is one of those things, I, I don't know if it's true in Western medicine, but for whatever reasons in uh, Chinese medicine, I'd always learned that when you're pregnant, you're not supposed to eat certain things like shellfish. Now, one thing that's important to me about the character of Cho is that he'd be a really good guy. Um, we don't think he's right for the mother, but still, I mean, he's a very viable choice, and we know he'd be really good for her. It's funny that in the background, uh, the extras, I asked for that really old couple and, the, you know, being very sweet to each other because for some reason it just made me feel like these two would seem more like teenagers as well as this scene. This is very sort of Juan Carwai-ish, this lighting. But again, it has sort of an old-fashioned, nostalgic quality hey, Mrs. P. that gets broken by the modern. He's a lumpy-looking guy. So there we go again, meat on a stick. <laughs> yeah. So initially, when I wrote the script, the, the little kid was supposed to be on a swing, and then we saw the playground, and it just seemed really funny to have her just hanging there on those rings. Are you guys going to kiss? Huh? No. What? Are you going to French kiss when you go to Paris? Go play on the jungle gym. I got the gig at the Paris Opera Ballet. Wow. For your contract. So we're about to move from this sort of back and forth um, coverage into a shot where visually I wanted that bar to divide them, kind of like the fence earlier, or again, visually it highlights um, their separation. I don't know if... Deadline to accept is next week. Oh, the kid sliding on the slide is about to... yell out what I think is maybe internally going on in Will. 
So this again is a echo back to when we first see Will on the subway and she's on her way to work at the beginning of the film, but this time she has a very different set of concerns on her mind and a much richer um, emotional life. Oh, I love that shot. Then why don't you go in? Mrs. Wong's really upset. Initially in the script, um, Stephen, the hairdresser, is supposed to be teasing Will's hair into a huge bouffant. Um, but Stephen, the actor, in fact, is not a hairdresser. So I quickly realized that we, we had lessons for him and that wasn't probably going to work. Um, so we ended up going with the big curlers because there's just something funny about that. So here's where we really get the sense that the reason the community is sort of shunning Ma on some level, that these ladies are personally insecure about their own husbands. What if their husbands are the father of this baby? Ma? Funny, the mother is always uh, really sublimating so many of her hopes inside soap operas, or in this case, inside uh, these sort of romance novels. But do you like him? This is obviously, in the script, it's written where this will go dark and then it will come up. Um, but this time, Will's in bed with her lover, and of course, it, it's sort of the uh, juxtaposition. I don't think so. Now, in the background, you're going to hear that same cello player from the apartment just over, this time very quietly playing the love theme um, all the way through, and you can just hear snatches of it. But um, they're not starting and stopping. I mean, the idea is to give this scene a sort of melancholy um, feel. Now, one thing is, uh, we just showed this in California, and several people asked me why I had smoking in the film, and um, felt like I was sort of glorifying it. And um, should that be the case, please do not start smoking if you see this film. I, I just, I, I could have had them peeling organic fruit too, but it would just, um, that would have been weird, so. Your work. I, I just, I don't know if it'll pan out. It's a pretty big thing to pass up. 
lighting in this hallway. Your grandmother's lines aren't as strong as we like to see them. But I believe she'll pull through fine. I'd like to keep her here for another few days. Vivian, what are you doing here? I, I couldn't sleep, so I thought I'd get some coffee with you. When you are, Will, Vivian. <clears throat> Why don't we get breakfast? After I finish up here, we can talk about your training in Paris. Will, can I grab you for a second? Mm -hmm. So you're the reason she's dragging her heels on Paris. So in the background, you're going to hear just the very subtle clicking of a very nice clock. It doesn't sort of hint at the tension at the scene and that time is ticking. And this is interesting, this picture he's about to pick up, it's actually a picture of a Joan's daughter uh, in real life. It's supposed to be uh, Lin Chen, who's Vivian. I've missed a single performance since... Now here's, I think, where you really get the sense that this father really does love his daughter and he wants what's best for her. Um, that what he thinks is best is not actually truly what's best for her. It's, I think, the plight of all of these characters in uh, this film. And, you know, probably in life, too, that they're all just people who are, you know, they're basic, decent people who are trying to do the best they can by the people they love. Um, and that they're wrong about things is sort of results in sort of both the comedy and the tragedy of life. Someone told me that this uh, room that we shot in this abandoned hospital, it was the only room that was painted, and I think the Sopranos had shot in it, like, you know, a few months before, which is why it had been painted, and that we could then uh, more easily dress it. So, honey, I, I love the grandmother character. Of all the characters in this film, she's the one who's probably really truly based on my grandmother, and she pretty much is channeling my real grandmother. It's kind of funny to me that every time we check in on the soap opera, someone is crying and some horribly tragic thing is going on. Meanwhile, the characters, you never see them cry, and it's sort of... Uh, Again, you know, a manifestation of what might be going on internally for them. Vivian's been leaving messages after Ying Yang since this morning. Hey, um, it's me. 
Well, I just, I wanted to make sure you're okay. Uh, so are you still coming by the theater tonight? Yeah, just let me know. <laughs> I guess I lied. I guess they do cry. <laughs> but when I think about them actually, maybe what I mean is I don't really see them crying for themselves until much later in the film. But up until now, um, they keep a lot inside. And it's only sort of what's going on. Oh, they're the fish that we saw earlier. <laughs> and folks, it will help if you put to a smaller object. The drawback to putting to that object is, is that you're not... That's the George Washington Bridge in the background. This is the 79th Street Boat Basin, which, again, is another area you don't see often in films in New York, but I just really think is so gorgeous. And it's New Jersey across the way. Your hot dog got cold, so I fed it to the birds. It's funny, when we shot this scene, it was on the very first day of shooting. It was the last scene we shot that day. And we were chasing the light. Um, you know, the first day of a shoot, it's always the crew is just trying to get used to working together. Um, and we barely had time to shoot uh, this. It was, I think it was like each actor, we could only get a couple of takes of, you know, this incredibly important emotional scene. And I think it was their incredible preparation um, that really, I think, brought it together. Vivian, there's a lot going on right now. I'm sorry if I... if this hurts. At least it's not a flesh wound. It's interesting in the soap opera in the background, the character is actually screaming, Ma, um, open the door, let me in. Well,爱你，我也是gay。怎么可以一口气说这两件事？一面说你爱我，一面这样伤我的心？我不是个坏母亲，我的女儿不可能是gay。
So what's interesting about this scene is when we shot it, initially it was supposed to be, um, we're supposed to have a scene where the grandfather was standing outside the grandmother's room and being restrained and desperately trying to get in, and then we discover the grandmother has just died. Um, and it was going to be a scene that should require three shots, but since we're cutting shots every day and I was going to basically get one shot for this scene, I had to quickly rearrange it and instead just decided, all right, let's just have the mother and Will run down the hallway because we can reuse the shot from earlier. It's the same shot where Will runs down the hallway. Um, and then my one shot that I would gain would be the reversal on the grandfather. And it's a case where I actually think that simplicity makes the scene stronger than what I initially had planned. Um, I think it's uh, one of those cases where, you know, you're on a tight budget and that can actually help you creatively. Now, in this scene, um, I was very adamant that I get this shaft of light in the background. And the DP just did this great job. I think they spent four hours having to light. Like, it, it seems so simple, but it actually takes a lot of time to light a hallway like this and make it beautiful. Um, sort of create the feeling that we get here. because all the rooftop scenes were shot in the same afternoon and yet the lighting is so dramatically different. Um, part of it is we got lucky that day where it was very cloudy and sometimes the clouds would part and we'd get sun and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but it's sort of fascinating how you can make it feel like an entirely different season uh, just by that and then the costuming now that they're in winter clothing. So... Really not gonna see Vivian off to the airport. We broke up. So? We broke up. Hey. shot in a restaurant in Queens called Veda Restaurant. Um, I brought my location manager there uh, way in the beginning and said, wow, I want to find a restaurant like this. And he looked all over Manhattan. Um, and every restaurant I looked at, I didn't really like. And finally, he's like, you know what? You want that restaurant. Let's just get that restaurant for you. You 
。可是，假如你的父亲能主宰你的命运的话，那我最大的心愿就是把你从命运的枷锁里解放出来。当然，别人也许会议论我们这间年龄的差距。Oh my God！ 是老于。也许我不是你心目中最理想的对象，但是我对你却是真心诚意的。我爱你，我知道你也爱我，难道这还不够吗？二十九年前，你为了父命难违，你嫁了一个并不爱的人。今天，你又为了维护你父亲的面子重蹈覆辙。This is probably one of my absolute favorite shots in the film. This was initially gonna, we had to find another room to set it in, but we were losing locations. And this, uh, we happened to pass through this hallway, and I thought, God, I have to shoot something here because of those mirrors, those shards of mirror. And suddenly, I thought this would be perfect to set her, to set it there. So that's the hint of the bus in the beginning, which we'll see again later. So you're right when he says that we remove all sound to really highlight it. 大哥夫啊，这种女人你怎么用啊？爸，我爱她。哎呀，你要早听我的，娶了一个香港的明星不就结了吗？还没有拖油瓶。如果你想离婚就直说，能怎样离婚？实在的我爱侬。That's something interesting. You actually never hear Chinese people say the words "I loved you" to each other in Chinese. It's extremely, extremely rare, which is why that that moment is that much funnier and heartfelt.
So people have actually asked me if this is a deliberate nod to The Graduate, and it is. It was actually scripted this way. Um, someone said to me, and I think she's right, that in a lot of ways this is almost an answer to The Graduate, because The Graduate ends with them not sure what they're going to do, whereas I force my characters to have to deal with each other. Um, and I think everything happens on this bus. It negotiates out how this mother and daughter are going to be with each other um, in the future. This is the first time the daughter has ever said no to her mother. You know what I don't understand? Why did you make us go through this? Why didn't you just say it was Xiaoyu and be together? Xiaoyu so young. He's obviously in love with you. She's leaving for Paris tonight. This is actually shot in one of my favorite uh, airport terminals ever. It's uh, the abandoned old TWA terminal. And we may have actually been the last film to shoot there. Uh, and I think they were going to tear it down, but now it's been bought by uh, JetBlue or something to use. But, I mean, look at those. Look at the architecture. It's incredible. I hang around, waiting to catch a precious moment with you, sandwich between your mom and your beaker, and I'm sick Well, have more time after my residency. It's not the time, it will. It's how you feel. You're too scared to look the world in the eye and let it watch you fall in love. You're off and you're running without a fight. I'm not the one running off to Paris. Don't flatter yourself, it's for the ballet. I, I thought you wanted to do modern. What do you fucking care what kind of dancing I do? Punish me by leaving, fine. Don't punish yourself by treating your dreams like they're for shit. Kiss me. Right here in front of all these people. for a tour group that are all wearing these orange shirts and waving little flags. And I just wanted a lot of the extras to look as happy as possible to kind of, uh, again, counter act and maybe highlight how um, sad Will is.
Now this next scene coming up is pretty much the scene that I basically made this film for. Um, I mean, the mother realizes that the daughter's, that the love of the daughter's life has left. And this shot it basically says everything I want to say in this film, because in this moment, like up till now, the mother's been a mother to her daughter in so many ways, but it's in this moment that she's a mother to her daughter in the way her daughter really needs. the first time we actually see Will really break down and cry openly and get the comfort of her mom. hoping that if we had iBook product placement that I would actually get a free iBook. That doesn't actually work that way. She still goes to those things. All the ladies are bugging her for advice now. Hi, Ma. Again, this song in the background, it's a uh, remake of an old Hoagie Carmichael song that we got uh, Chocolate Genius to sing. Please go home now. I'm not spending my entire break in Planet China. He promised she wouldn't be here. She hasn't been coming for a while. Now here, this is actually a lot of uh, sound design. This song fades out and you hear the love theme, the score fade in, and all other sound is gone except for that and then just the very faint sound of Will's footsteps bringing us toward Vivian. There's no music. (laughs) 
So now the song that starts up is actually a samba version of the love theme, but we've now brought it into the community center uh, to sort of integrate it. Because so much of this film really is about um, being able to reach for your individual wants and desires, but not to the exclusion of the community that you come from, but that maybe you can have both. And as such, some people are not going to accept and are going to leave um, well, such as right there some people are going to feel like well you know at least it's not my daughter and you know the food is good so they're going to stick around and for some people they don't actually care um, and they are accepting and I think it was important to me that you show a spectrum of uh, attitudes um, that exist within the Chinese-American community. asked for a couple of kids to run through with balloons and then to let them go. Um, just anything to sort of heighten the, uh, the festive atmosphere. Fifteen years is too damn long to wait. If you like her, go for it. How's your squad? Folks, good. Finally, Suvivi's new shoe. What do you think? I didn't get it. Me either. But at least she's marrying a doctor. <laughs> Petting isn't bad for the kid, right, Will? Uh, yeah, but disagreeing with her mother is. People have actually asked, you know, would the grandfather really be present and accepting? And I really feel that he would. Um, I mean, this is a man who's lost his wife and his only family is his daughter and his granddaughter. And while up front he won't uh, necessarily vocally be accepting, he'll still be there for them. <laughs> Best big take ever. I want to love you each and every way. Very temporary, I can hear you say. Thank you for listening to Commentary. If you like the show, tell your friends. We think there's a lot to be learned from these recordings. Home video commentaries are insightful works that are becoming less and less accessible to viewers and should be preserved and shared. Commentary collects and presents classic and contemporary DVD commentaries in podcast form, so you can listen to them wherever and whenever you want. This podcast was created as a public service for educational purposes and is not monetized. Thank you for listening to the show. Much more than I plan. They can't tell us, they're just jealous Because they'll never